Hello there, my friends. Welcome to Story You Talk Radio. It is a pleasure to come into your living room or join the passenger seat of your car with you or wherever you're at to be a part of your world for this hour on Thursday afternoons. I really enjoy this time together where we talk all things writing, everything about storytelling, writing your memoirs, putting out that great inspirational book for your business, writing that legacy piece for your family, writing a love letter for your lover, writing whatever you want to write about. And I love hearing from you. We have a whole hour together, 4 o'clock every Thursday. So if you're joining me live, why don't you think about putting in a little call if you have something you want to talk about, or you can always write to me at my email, which is askcoachdebbie, Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y, askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And if you'd like the phone number to call in today, guess who is standing by to take your call? My very favorite, the one and only, the lovely Eric Ryder, who is ready to tell you our phone numbers. If you're feeling up to calling in today, we'd love to hear from you. How you doing, Eric? Uh, sure, I'm doing good. Happy holidays, Debbie. Oh, thank you. I'm so in the spirit. I have bought myself loads of things that I don't think Santa would have thought of. So <laughs> I got a head start. Sometimes you got to treat yourself. That's right. That's right. And I've got three lovely girls in my life that, by way of boyfriend, who will be getting fun things as well. And and then we had to pick out some things for the new puppy. I love it. Yes. Yes. And you? Yeah, I'm in the holiday spirit. I mean, I haven't bought any gifts or anything, but I feel like I'm still fairly festive. You have 22 days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to wait till it's the last okay. minute. Uh, it's all right. Yeah. No problem at all. <laughs> if I can confess. You can call into my show if you need some tips or advice. Hey, that's great. Yeah. Folks can call in at 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527 for uh, questions for Debbie or her guest today. Or if you want a thought on what you should give as a gift to somebody, mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. I love doing that. <laughs> so just a side note, I mean, this isn't really the holiday show, but if you need a little help with that, we are here for you. Did you also give them the toll-free number? I I did not, but if, mm-hmm. if they want to dial toll-free, they can do so at 888-298-5569 or 888-298-KKNW, in case you're still using a landline out there. There are a few. Yeah, there are a few. So you're all connected now, all right? We're going to really get your devotion going today. Your devotion to your writing is kind of your rocket fuel. You might think it's your strategy that really gets you in the air and soaring. But my guest today and my experience that I'll be sharing with you, it's, it's really your devotion. We're going to dive, dive deep into that. 
And I am going to bring you a lovely and wonderful writer in just a moment. What I want to share with you about the end of the year, because we've only, today is December 2nd. I want to give a big shout out to my mom, because her birthday was yesterday. And while she would never allow me to share with you the years of wisdom that she now holds very true to her heart and in her bones and such. I just want to tell you, she's only a few days older than me. We were just kids together, and having my mom in my life is a gift. And she got to spend her day riding around the West Coast and eventually making it to San Francisco with her beloved Bob. And I know that was such a special birthday for her. So happy birthday, Mom. Now it is the day after, December 2, December 2, if you are listening live. And you might, you might be thinking about 2022. I'll tell you this, I am. And I'm really excited about 2022. Quickly, there are three things on offer If you are thinking about picking up the pen or belling up to your computer and getting some writing done in 2022, if you want an unlimited plan of classes, I just want to tell you, I'm going to offer 96 classes in 2022, 96. If you decide in 2021 that you want to be a part of that, That package of classes is $900. And the unlimited part is you can take them all or you can take some of them. It's completely up to you. But the cost comes out to $9.37 a class if you decide to go for them all. They're on Sunday nights, Tuesdays in the early No, not early afternoon. That's wrong. They're on Sunday evenings. They're Tuesdays at 10 Pacific, and they're Fridays. Friday time kind of switches around. And then sometimes someone will say, hey, do you ever do a Saturday night class? And whammo, I do one. So that's the unlimited $900 package. It's the easiest way, the most cost-effective way to get 96 hours of content and decide if you want to go forward with coaching and really buckle down. So if you jump up to that next level, I have a 90-day transformational program for you. And this is where you really want to look at the medium that really matches up with your, your mission. Maybe that medium is a TED Talk or it's a podcast could be a live radio show like this one, could be your memoir, could be your inspirational book, your self-development, whatever that medium is for 90 days, you and I get up close and personal and I bring you into my community and we work together. And if, if you feel that it is time to make really a, a spiritual commitment on your path, I would love to welcome you into the writer's membership. That's for six months or more. Like I said, it is a community. There's lots of one-on-one hours each month with me. 
We have virtual retreats. And as of just this year, I started an in-person retreat at a Washington winery. And I hope next year to head down to Northern California and offer one at a winery there. It's all included. If you want to learn more, you can go to my website, which is coachdebbie.com. Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y, coachdebbie.com. Click on connect, send me a question, and we can start talking. I also have a friend out there in the world, Albert Flynn Da Silva, who is doing similar things. You may have visited him at the Omega Institute. You may know him from Esalon. You may know him from his memoir, Beamish Boy, or you may have come upon him the way I did, and that was in his book, Writing as a Path to Awakening, A Year to Becoming an Excellent Writer and Living Awakened Life. This book came out, was published from Sounds True, and came out in 2017, It was right at the time of the pandemic when I put my hands on my copy of the book and started thumbing through it. I'd seen Albert on YouTube, but I really, really wanted to dive a little deeper. And what is he up to? I just had this feeling that like me and like many other writers out there, he was allowing the spiritual path to help him go into a deeper devotion with his writing and really become more public and sort of escape that notion that artists artists have to be solitary and incredibly poor (laughs) and and locked away and discovered much later on. He he was debunking that in ways that I try to debunk it and try to bring that message to the listeners. So I was delighted when, again, I was in a classroom setting and I heard Albert's name and I thought, all right, all right, I am reaching out. He is coming on my show. I sure hope he says yes, because I've already decided I want him here. So ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Albert. Hey, Albert, how you doing today? Doing great, Debbie. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Yes, and I am so happy for you to be here. I I think this is a medium that you are probably a natural at too, because like me, you are a writer. And writers, we need this opportunity to talk about what we're up to. So we're going (laughs) to jump into that. Excellent. We'll see how I do today. You're going to do great. We already have a question for you from Bridget. We're going to get to that after our first break. And I want to, again, encourage anyone to write in today if you have a question for Albert and I. This is just a chance for he and I to get into like a little fireside chat. So I kind of want to start with this idea of devotion, it's, mm. It comes up later in the book, of course. It's in your table of contents as we're leaving summer and getting into fall. But <laughs> I just, I love the word devotion. I love that you have highlighted it in your book. And um, 
any words you would like to share with us about what it means to you to be a devoted writer or devoted to teaching or just anything at all around that? Yeah, well, thank you. And thank you for mentioning that. Um, yeah, devotion has just become more and more of a resonant term, a resonant word, a resonant experience for me, the older I get. Um, and I think it's so crucial. You know, we, we can't really have this, um, I don't know, we, we can't have an abstract connection to creativity without devotion. I mean, yes. I think if we are devoted, everything sort of uh, arises from that. And we can leave those questions of, am I doing it right? Am I going to be successful? Um, all of that just falls away. If we're devoted to the practice, if we're in love with the practice, otherwise there's lots of other things to do in the world, right? We don't have to torture ourselves with, um, you know, thinking that it's supposed to be a certain way or that it it has to have a, um, a certain trajectory and we have to get a certain level of feedback. Right. Um, all of that, of course, is nice and glorious, but it, it really kind of... In my experience, it, it arises out of devotion, you know, really just showing up because you love to write, you love language. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that, that I don't also love audiences and connecting with readers and, you know, getting the book out in the world and someone saying, hey, I read your book and I really liked it. <laughs> mm -hmm. All of that stuff, you know, is great, but it's really... Um, it's um, it's secondary to immersion, to devotion, to being devoted to um, mm -hmm. to creativity. Yes, I just I threw you into it. I threw you into this, and one of the things you said right there was that it is our creativity that really blossoms because of our devotion. I I know that some of the listeners have as well as me, followed you on YouTube. And your devotion is very, very real. I know, I know you spend so much time doing your writing. And so then to be here and speaking about devotion, it's a whole nother thing. But you, <laughs> you are so, you're so right that it is our opportunity to let that creativity really flow. We're also going to get into talking about what is emergence as well. I loved how you called that a springtime energy. And <laughs> I love this word, um, um, amusement, but how you really got into that summer energy and calling forth the muse. So these are just mm -hmm. things that I know when I teach people are they're so curious about, they, they want to know this, but they don't have the, the language necessarily that you brought forward in your book when you, you shared the emergence, the amusement, the devotion. And I have titled today's show, Your Devotion is hmm. Rocket Fuel. And I, <laughs> I really think that's, that's so for you. Wouldn't you say that your devotion has catapulted you to being the writer that you, you know, 
you were dreaming about being, and you're you're walking in that guy's footsteps now, right? Absolutely. You know, um, I, I think that it's, um, you know, I, I say this to my students all the time, that consistency wins mm-hmm. every time. And, you know, when I first started writing, um, I... I just kind of got obsessed and that's an interesting word too, obsession, (laughs) you know, uh, obsession kind of has a bad rap because, you know, if you're, if you're too obsessed, then there's a lot of exclusion that can happen, right? You can, you know, can mess with your relationships and your finances and all that stuff. But I, that's why I do like, um, devotion better because devotion is really it's kind of spiritually concentrated attention and um and it's showing up again and again and again even when it sucks especially when it sucks right Mm -hmm. i mean you know that's true love when you show up for the page even though you're grumpy you're upset you're resistant but you know that ultimately this is love and in love, it's it, it, it takes all states. It's yes. present in all states. Um, it's not you don't just love when you know things are rosy and happy and you're young and sexy and free. We you love when you're old <laughs> and you're grumpy and <laughs> obnoxious and repetitive and so forth. So I think that's kind of it. And I I got this head start, you know, as a young writer. Um, uh, you know, I tell the story often about um, going to a, I was in art school, visual art school, studying photography, and I got sent to a poetry reading one night at the Cal Theater in San Francisco. And I wasn't that into poetry. I didn't really want to go. Um, but one of my teachers, um, the art historian and art writer, Bill Berkson, uh, who was also a poet, um, was part of this reading. He said, oh, you should come check it out. It's going to be pretty interesting. And it turned out it was the a launch reading for the Norton Anthology of Postmodern American Poetry. And so it was an all-star cast. Diane Primo was there. Uh, Ron Padgett was there from New York. And mm. Alice Notley had flown in from Paris. And it was amazing. I was just blown away. I didn't realize that poetry could be all these things, that poetry could be visual and poetry could be theatric and poetry um, could be... Um, enigmatic and yeah. um uh and so it just it was this big revelation and i sort of just fell in love with the curiosity around it and that turned into devotion mm. i love that path albert thank you so much for sharing that because i think so many of us believe that a path has to be planned very intentional very instructional mm-hmm. you know in, and you're you're showing that in some cases it it unfolds before you. I think this is going to help some of the people. We're getting some people writing in. So what do you say we take a, a quick break here? I'm going to fill you in a little bit on people writing in, and we're going to come right back. So stay tuned.
Hi, I'm Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Monday morning at 7 o'clock. Whether you're looking to stay in the workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Mondays at 7 o'clock a.m. here on KKNW to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Hi, I'm Nathan Mum, host of Tech Time Radio with Nathan Mum on KKNW. Tech Time Radio's live show is Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. And you can always check us on the web at techtimeradio.com. Our segmented stylized radio gives you the breaking news before it hits mainstream media. Join myself and Mike Rodea as we'll make you laugh. That's good. Hooked on phonics worked for you, didn't it? (laughs) Just a little bit. And learning something new in technology, join us Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m. and Thursdays from 6 to 7 a.m. The technology show for the everyday common person. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you are just tuning in, I'm talking with Albert Flynn De Silva someone that I've been wanting to bring to the show for quite some time, and we just had the opportunity recently to connect, and it is time. We're talking about not only his guide to writing, which is Writing as a Path to Awakening. It's a lovely book put out by Sounds True. We're also going to spend this little segment of the show talking about Beamish Boy, and this is his memoir. A lot of you know that I'm very, very committed to memoir writing. It, it doesn't mean that it is your biography, as I tell many of my students. It's really that theme from your personal story that you focus in on, and you really, you really bring us to your own fireside where, where you offer an intimate and vulnerable look at an important part of your life, and usually some of the lessons that came with it. So, Albert, we would love to know about Beamish Boy. What would you like to share with us about your memoir? (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, let's see. How can I get you curious? I guess this is probably the trick here. Um, Well, it's really the story of, of, you know, I, I grew up in an abusive household. Um, it, it's really the story of, of transcending abuse and addiction and being saved by poetry. Um, that's how I like to describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it charts about a 28-30 year period of where that transformation really happened. Um, so sort of starting from those those early memories that were imprinted that kind of got me um, sort of going, first of all, into an addictive state and, um, you know, with some good modeling with the alcoholic mother and uh, an abusive caretaker and um, and just all the trouble that led me into uh, the various adventures, the misadventures. Um, uh, I won't give it away. Sure, there's some, sure. Some pretty, a um, couple of near-death experiences uh, did some time in a psychedelic therapy cult. Woo! Um, <laughs> so that's that's a whole other thing. But actually, you know what I would love to do? Just this is this is related, but I wanted to kind of follow up on what we're talking about Please. in terms of 
of how I really got into writing. And it was going to this, I mentioned this, this reading I went to in San Francisco. And there was something very specific that happened there. And that was during the introduction of the whole evening. And Paul Hoover, who's the editor of this anthology, which I highly recommend, the Norton Anthology of Postmodern American Poetry. Um, And he was quoting uh, Jack Spicer, uh, who's this legendary Bay Area uh, Berkeley Renaissance poet from the 1950s. And he wrote a, a, a famous poem called The Imaginary Elegies, which was about photography and, and the photograph and the magic of the photograph. And, um, and so it really resonated for me, that poem in particular. And there was this one quote that, that Hoover shared at the beginning that blew my mind. And, and, the, and this was from Spicer, who, who said, um, and this was a poem from Imaginary Elegies where he says, unbind the dreamers poet be like god <laughs> and i thought like whoa you know that sort of blew the hair back on my head you know and i was like poet be like god like i didn't really know what that meant uh but unbind the dreamers you know and i was thought well i'm a dreamer you know here i am in art school i'm dreaming a lot <laughs> and this this access to poetry as a language of possibility really bloomed forth that night and it set me dreaming and it gave me this sense that language was this avenue that i might be able to to tell my story i might be able to participate in a way through language through poetry that i haven't been able to uh through photography for some reason um and that was the night now that was the night i really became a writer and over the next couple of years uh photography sort of disappeared from my experience and the language just took over. I love your story, Albert. I didn't know this story. And I I think it's so beautiful that you can pinpoint that there was a moment and, and it, it still lives in your heart. It, it was a guiding moment for you. I don't know if I told you, but my, my late husband, was a poet and he used to say, you know, uh, structure will set you free and the form mm. will set you free and the lines will set you free. And, and I think, gosh, I wish I was a better poet so I could really understand <laughs> that. And finally I came to understand that when you have just some some bare bones, simple system in place, you find your freedom. And that mm-hmm. seems to be what a poet is so good at. If, if they know that nature is what roots them and, and brings about their devotion, nature becomes the rocket fuel for their, their words. They find their words. They soar with those words. And what I'm what I'm hearing in your experience is you you mused with your your visual artistry until you fell in love with the poetic artistry and you know that calling to be like God <laughs> and to come forward. <laughs> you heard right. it loud and clear. Yeah. And just to be clear, like God, you know, big G God, um, I, I don't believe like, you know, a dude in a row with a long beard and so forth. 
you know, for me, that means the the, the spirit and the mystery of consciousness yes. and awareness and um, and beauty. And I'm so glad you mentioned nature because that was such a, and still is, um, you know, immersion into the non-human world uh, has really saved me, uh, you know, in terms of just dealing with the trauma and the addiction and being able to find, to situate myself in, in wild places, you know, whether that is at the base of a redwood tree or, you know, hiking in the, the Rocky Mountains or, you know, wandering the wild beaches of Point Reyes seashore, mm, Point Reyes. you know, where I could, I could scream it out, <laughs> you know, I could, I could release it out of my body um, and know that, that the earth would hold my grief. Yeah. The earth would hold my sadness and my fear and my confusion and uh, my compulsions and that language too, you know, the, the empty page would also would hold it, you know, no matter how confused or horrible I was, I could give, if I could give words to it uh, on the blank page and the blank page would say, yes, I hear you. I love you. Um, that was revelatory. You know, that, that literally changed my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're helping people that are listening because there, there isn't anyone listening to a live show on storytelling who can't relate to the story of trauma, whether, mm. whether it be like your version of it, like my version of it, like someone else's version of it. If, if you've lived more than 15 years, you've probably come face to face with trauma. And mm -hmm. it, it's quite possible that it has swallowed you at some point. So I, I love that you then come full circle and say that as adults, we, we need to be the artists of our lives and the, and the creators who give the grief back to something mm. that is stronger than us, maybe, to something mm. like the ground that can hold the feeling so that we can go forward. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And this yeah, is part yeah. of the reason your your memoir is so important. When Whenever we are sharing the themes that we knew as young people, we are, we are also sharing our devotion to help others know that they're not alone with it and there are words they can put to it that they will find as, as healing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one of the big questions for me is like, how do you, how do you go from such self hatred um, in my experience? You know, I, 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 it's self annihilation. You know, I was suicidal I had no sense of agency. I had no sense that that anything that I created could, could possibly contribute to the world. And to go from that to being like, oh, okay, I'm gonna write a memoir. I'm gonna tell my story and share it with the world. You know, it's just like, it's kind of an impossibility, you know, and I just, and why I like to talk about that is because it's so, you know, we sort of get stuck as humans thinking that, that, that there's these limitations, there's sort of self-imposed limitations that are just false. 
And um, I've seen so much dramatic transformation in my own life that I love to, I mean, my whole life is really devoted to inspiring that in others, you know, through language, through telling your story, through telling your truth, through accessing your voice and realizing that it matters, yes. you know? I mean, I'm a funny nobody, right? <laughs> like, like who, who cares about my sad sack story, you know, on some level. And then on another level, it's like, well, we all care, you know, yeah. if we're open, you know, we've all been, like you said, you know, we've experienced trauma on in different levels in different ways. And so I love reading about other people's stories when they're well told and they're, they're told with an open, real heart. Um, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it, 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 it's a way to commune and to connect. Yes. If it wasn't for all this, we would have no community at all. <laughs> we have <laughs> to right. keep that in mind. You know, Bridget is a listener who really follows what we're talking about here. I want to read to you what she has written in. Mm -hmm. Uh, She says, for all of my life, my dad was my hero. She went Mm -hmm. on to talk about some adventures with her dad. And she says, but after losing him, I felt inspired to start my memoir. I was his girl his main girl, even as he was married three times. And of course, one of those marriages was with my late mother. My question for today is, do I have to write all of it down? Dad was my hero. Will a meditation practice help me know what is best for the book? I think this is a great Hmm. question. Is that something you want to talk to Bridget about? Sure. Thank you, Bridget, for that, that question. Well, first of all, um, you know, my practice is that, that meditation is, is the ground for all. Um, I, I, I just, you know, I was saved by meditation. I think it's an incredibly powerful practice. Um, it's really brilliant for helping us stay grounded and stay connected to our creativity. So <clears throat> the answer there is yes. <laughs> Meditate, be devoted to the practice of meditation. Um, and in regards to the story, I think, um, you know, and Debbie was talking about this earlier about really thinking about your theme. Um, and, and what is the portion, because a memoir nowadays in the sort of literary sense is the portion of a life. It's, it's not the whole life, right? We don't have to tell the whole entire story right. from beginning to end because that's really more autobiography. And um, so what is that? What are some of those transformational elements uh, that in your relationship with your father that, that you can tell that, that can make a kind of thematic totality Yes. within, you know, two or 300 pages. Um, and it might be certain events, you know, certain events where if the, before that event happened, you were one kind of person. And then after that event happened, you were another kind of person, a more awake person, a more some on some level, more emotionally evolved person. And so if you can identify those particular events in relationship to that, primary relationship with your father um 
then you might be able to narrow down your story a little mm. bit. So where you can kind of get a handle on it so it doesn't feel like too gigantic. Um, so I don't know. I hope that helps. It helped me. <laughs> I thought it was lovely. Yes, I'm sure it will help Bridget. And I, I want to thank you, Bridget, for writing in today before the show. Hope you are hanging out with us live. If not, you know exactly where to catch the replay. And for our listeners, we also offer every Friday morning a replay for your commute on the Pacific Coast at 6 a.m. and on the Eastern Time that is 9 a.m. We're going to take just one more quick break here and we will come right back. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking with Albert Flynn De Silver, and we are enjoying talking about writing and memoir and awakening on that path. Uh, we can even go straight to the title of his book, Writing as a Path to Awakening. It's a beautiful title. It's a book by Sounds True. Came out 2017. My copy is just written all over with smiley faces and stars and dog-eared little corners and things like that. I really liked Albert's... It makes me so happy. Does it? Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. When uh, I was taking a look at your table of contents, one of the first things I do is look over, you know, who did people dedicate their book to? Who are they acknowledging and thanking? What did they put in their intro? All of that front matter I, I love to really relish in before I dive into the table of contents in the book. And early on, I came upon this word, emergence. And I, I started to have this flashback of being in graduate school. I went to Antioch, which is very alternative compared to my earlier years um, getting getting a degree in literature at a, a Jesuit college. So all of a sudden I'm at a very alternative college and and the word emergence is there. We are going to immerse yourself and blah, 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 and there will be this convergence plan and blah, 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 and you will innovate and synthesize and it all begins with your emergence and I just thought, I got to go. I got to leave. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. I, I, I'm not smart enough to be in graduate school. I, I thought I loved words. I don't, I don't know what this emergence is. I don't, I don't belong here. It, it's like I was down in the, the financial aid office, you know, within the first day trying to figure out how we could turn it all around and maybe I could go to an easier school or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, 
someone mm-hmm. had to have a little talk with me and just say, now these are just normal graduate school jitters. But that word mm-hmm. emergence, it it has a place in in my body um, that, that mm-hmm. causes me to shake a bit. But yes. you calmed me down. You calmed <laughs> me down when you were using it as part of the spiritual path. So go ahead and tell us your version of this springtime emergence. What does it mean when we're thinking of our writing? Yeah, well, thank you for that story. I can totally relate. I went to, <laughs> as I mentioned, I went to grad school, but in visual arts, but similar thing, right? Like uh, I was young, I was in my 20s and just kind of totally overwhelmed. Everyone had it figured out and I was lost. <laughs> and yeah, and I remember this term, the way they used it was emerging artist or emerging writer. Yeah. And I just hated those terms. I still hate those terms. And, um, you know, it was sort of like this derogatory thing, like, okay, you're emerging, you're not quite there yet. You're, there's some like weird insufficiency thing that's happening. Um, but so, yeah, I wanted to write about emergence in kind of this larger way, thinking about it in, in, in larger terms that, um, you know, to be kind of emerging out of any sort of limited consciousness, any kind of restrictive consciousness. Um, And, you know, I was also thinking about it thematically because I have have all these little themes for the chapters of the book. So it's broken into, the book is broken into 12 chapters and, Mm -hmm. you know, the 12 months of the year, beginning in January and, you know, January is rebirth and, um, February is becoming and March is emergence. And so there's this kind of evolutionary aspect to it. Yeah. And um, so we're emerging from that, that dream of separation, I think, or that, that, that false dream of like, I'm not enough or, or, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how to write or I'm not, you know, I don't know how to create metaphors, or I'm not a poet, or I'm not a writer because I'm not published. You know, all those those false stories that are part of the conditioned mind and the conditioning culture. Um, you know, one of the things that I do as a ritual at my live events that I've really been missing these last two years, um, but what we would do before every, um, right at the very first thing, like we gather in our circle and we sort of do like a little... I think even before we do our introductions, um, I have everyone stand up and put their heart on their their hand on their heart, and and I invite them to to say out loud that they are a brilliant writer, mm. <laughs> and it freaks them out. Know. You know, it freaks everybody <laughs> out because it's like, what? I don't even know if I'm a writer, <laughs> let alone a brilliant writer. I mean, come on. <laughs> You know? Unfair, and, unfair. <laughs> and the other, the other phrase is, um, "I'm a creative genius," and um, because I truly believe this, like we are as human beings, we are, we're creative beings. That's just our nature. Yeah. And genius, I know, is a totally loaded word, and so some people are going to have a reaction about that. For sure. But you know, 
by genius, I mean you're you're engaged. You're you're. It, it's part of your natural state to create. Yeah. And I think we get into trouble when we've forgotten our natural state and when we've we fall subject to these conditioned minds of like I'm not good enough or. You know, and we're all subject to it. You're right. You know, whatever that the teacher who's who ignored you when you wanted to present your poem in second grade, or your mother who told you that, oh no, you don't you don't grow up and become a writer or a poet or an artist. Mm-hmm. That's not what you do. No, you no, no. Make money. We won't have that. Right. We won't have that. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So emergence is really this for me, it's a thematic reclaiming of emerging back into our creative genius. Oh, I really, really like that, that reclaiming. I like that as much as when you were talking about devotion and you called it, you know, spiritually concentrated attention. I just, mm. Mm, yummy. I mean, it's, I hope this is being recorded. Oh yeah, every little bit of it, every little bit. You'll always have access here. It is a funny thing, like in these interviews, you never know what's gonna come out of your mouth. And sometimes I listen back to these and I'm like, wait, who's Who's that that guy? Like, who's that dude? (laughs) (laughs) That me? Is that me being a creative genius? Wow. Right? Right on. And if I can say something like profound and authentically, you know, hopefully authentically engaging, then, oh my God, there's hope for us all. There's hope for all of us. (laughs) Read my book and you'll know exactly what I mean. (laughs) Because hot mess doesn't even begin to begin to get it you know we I we, was. we feel we feel bad about the depths of our own story that we know so well and yet honestly albert there there's no way that we could make the offerings that we've felt we wanted to make if we hadn't been a person that said i won't I won't be left here in these depths. I will mm-hmm. I will make something of these times and you you spoke very very eloquently here in this chapter. I think it's February's becoming chapter and you you take us I love any swimming metaphor because my my listeners know I signed up for swimming when I was 51 years old and oh, I love it. um it you know one of the scariest things in my life, and I've been through some scary things, and <laughs> and this was just a voluntary scary thing to do. And mm-hmm. every single day, I just gave myself permission. Okay, if this is the day you want to quit, you can. You can mm-hmm. quit. No one has mm-hmm. to know that you quit. You only took three lessons. If you don't want to take four, you don't have to take four. And I'd have this <laughs> this little talk with myself, and then I'm like, Okay, I'm just going to do this last one, and this is it. But then at some point, I really got into the depth of it. And this is what you talk about when you come into the notion of becoming. And it's right before the emergence. It's this part where you talk about um, submersion. And I love it. You talk about going deep. And you say, you get sucked Quickly beneath the surface and you feel eager to plumb the depths. Of course, we're talking about our words and our stories here. You say the pressure builds as you descend. You feel so engaged with the text 
that you were to reread passages to yourself or read them aloud to others. And in a lot of cases, this is us realizing we've written something that we now want to share. Mm. You go on and say, you go physical with the book. I love this. You go physical with the book. You carry it lovingly around in your purse or bag as you might a small dog. You pet the cover. You massage the spine. You fondle the pages. I mean, this, this is how we relate to the writing of the people we love. But we come... Mm into our own becoming as authors, and we start to have this, this time where we carry our own words around with us. Yes. Yeah, and we, yeah. we envision the spine of our upcoming book, and, mm-hmm. and we, we are in that becoming. We're submerged with it, and we're in our becoming, and it is why... And I, I want this to be our final point today because so many people want to leave it out. It is why we've got to read. This, this mm-hmm. idea that if you want to be a writer, you need to put all language of everyone else far, far and away so you can only hear your own words and not be manipulated by what the masses have said and Wah, wah, wah. I'm, I'm just uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm not going to allow that. And now that Albert's here today, uh, he's not going to allow it either. So why do we have to read? Why oh, is this so important? Yeah, oh, so many reasons. Well, one thing I just want to tell, and I should have included this little story in the book, but um, I remember as an undergrad, I went to a... Um, uh, screening and performance and talk by the experimental filmmaker Stan Brackage. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his films or any of you out there in radio listening. Oh yeah. So go Google Stan Brackage. Okay. Um, Really amazing. He has this famous film called, I think it's called like the the moth film or the insect film or, and it's this experimental collage of, such crazy beauty you just can't believe it anyways he was giving this talk and he he sort of interrupted his talk about someone asked a question and he was like oh yeah i never go anywhere without a book i always have a book it's always in my bag carry it with me everywhere you never know when you're gonna be somewhere in between something and waiting for a bus or Mm -hmm. you know your car is getting picked and you have your book and you can go into another world and you can um you can be you can be in discussion. You can be in conversation with another writer. And I just remember that and was like, yeah, that's the, I don't know why I just thought, you know, at 23 years old, I just thought that was like the coolest thing. And so from this point forward, I've always carried books around. Anyways, reading. Yes. Reading is writing. Writing is reading. Um, I don't distinguish between the two. Um, it's essential if you want to be a good writer uh, to read and read and reread and read some more <laughs> and read diversely, yes. you know, and don't be ashamed or embarrassed by what you read. You know, I read everything from, uh, you know, like stoner dude mountain bike magazines yeah. to the New Yorker it to, all counts. Uh, you know, it's like the Princeton encyclopedia of 
poetics. You know, I, I do it all. And it's all in forms. And of course, when you are writing into a particular genre, uh, like memoir, I didn't know how to write a memoir. So I was like, oh, how do you write a memoir? Okay, I'm going to go read as many memoirs as I possibly can in, you know, in a year and, and learn what is this thing, the memoir? How do people tell their own stories? What makes one really interesting versus another one not that interesting? Yeah. And so it's this real study. And I do think immersion is, that's what separates a good writer from a great writer. Uh, they're will, really willing to study and to go deep and to read carefully. And you just don't, it's not really obvious all the time what an impact reading has on our writing, but it's, I won't say it's everything, but it's a lot of it. You know, something that you, you've reminded me of, I haven't, I haven't shared this in my classes for a while, and I think I'm going to bring it back. Um, I, I was just really enjoying your story here that the two are basically the same. Writing is reading, reading is writing, a writer is a reader, a reader is a writer, that you don't want to, to separate yourself, just like you don't want to separate yourself from the voice of God, you know, the voice of your spirit. Mm -hmm. You don't. Exactly. It's, it's that thing again. And uh, I just, I feel that it is so important for us to remember that as long as, as we want to study and, and craft our way to something better, uh, we are vulnerable to the highest experience we can possibly have. And mm -hmm. I, I feel that reading and writing and that go together. It's, it's so much a part of your book. I, I'm so glad you joined me today, Albert. Mm -hmm. we, we are going to have to meet up like this again. What do you say? I would love that. There's, I could talk about this stuff forever. Uh, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. And I uh, really appreciate the opportunity and, and the connection with you, Debbie. This has been awesome. Oh, it's been great for me, too. You've been listening to a conversation with myself and Albert Flynn DeSilver. I am delighted to bring you these shows every Thursday. I'll be back with you next week, my friends. And until then, namaste. Namaste.